Good morning, everyone. Beautiful morning for the journey in Chennai. Um, I want to meditate uh, <clears throat> together this morning on something God's been pressing on my heart as um, how we are uh, measured and the world measures us and God also measures us. Uh, you can say earth measures us and heaven also measures us. So I want to take us through a journey to understand the measure of a man. The very day um, you were born, you were measured. Um, no one asked uh, your permission. Uh, no one asked your parents also permission to measure the baby, but the baby gets measured straight away. Uh, whether it's putting on a weighing scale, the length, uh, Nowadays, we take measurements of the baby, even when the baby's in the womb. Uh, and as we grow up, um, there is also a measure of our physical abilities, our mental abilities, our aptitude, intelligence. Um, the world is constantly measuring us. We are, we are always um, kind of under the scanner. Um, and then based on this, there is a very strong value uh, point of view that is developed. Um, so these measurements go on to material, wealth, power, influence, resources. Um, it also has to do with identity. Uh, who are you? People ascribe their identity to their work, their jobs, or even sometimes their positions or their ownerships. So it basically comes down to two paradigms of measurement. One is status and position. Um, they say, who are you and what do you have? And we'll remember this as we kind of go through our meditation today. Now, although this is a measure in this world, everybody kind of silently knows that Ultimately, they don't take this measurement out uh, of this world. This doesn't go beyond this life or this planet. And this often causes a dilemma uh, for the day that people have to leave. Um, nevertheless, I think those with faith in Jesus are prepared or at least should be. And this faith, what does the scripture say? Uh, about this faith. Uh, it's a very uh, interesting uh, opposition to this measurement that the world has. So that's kind of going to be the core of a meditation today. So this faith, does it only matter for that last breath? Um, is it only what we are counting on to ultimately uh, leave this world? But is there more? Let's rewind and go back uh, to that birth we talked about. When you're born in this world, there's really no uh, party in heaven. There might be a party on earth. Uh, your loved ones, your parents, your relatives, they'll be giving sweets and cakes and there's a celebration here. And so every year to recognize that. But in heaven, uh, we all do have a birthday and 
may not really coincide with the birthday that we have on earth. So I want to quickly turn to John 1, John chapter 1, 12 and 13. God's word says, but as many as received him to them, he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So clearly this talks about a birth, uh, not a birth uh, of the flesh or of man, but of God. So there is a difference between being born through flesh, through man, being born of God. Similarly, in uh, John chapter 15, verse 10, God also gives an analogy. Uh, I think many of us would have read this in our uh, parables. The woman having 10 pieces of silver. Jesus says, likewise, I say unto you, there is, and she dis this is when she discovers that one lost silver uh, coin or piece of silver. Jesus says, likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God who are one sinner that repenteth. So the day we turn to God, that moment we turn to God, uh, there is joy in the presence of the angels. It's like heaven wants to celebrate and loves to celebrate a different moment than what earth celebrates. Um, John 3.3, 3, and Jesus speaking to Nicodemus here, that is the context. And Jesus answered, said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So again, we're talking about a, a different birth. Uh, you have a different birth, one on earth, one in heaven. And what does this birth entail? We know what the standards of living from this birth are on the earth. We know the whole routine. Everybody does. Uh, you study, you grow up, you do the things that adults do, then you make sure you, your life is stable or set, and people seek all of that, and that is the earthly life. But what is that heavenly life? Now you're born in heaven, next what? What is that standard of living uh, that is a heavenly standard? And is God calling us to live a different life? according to heaven's standard. Let's look at 1 John 2.15. God's word says, Love not the world, <clears throat> neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So there's a huge contrast drawn here between the love of the world and love of the Father. And Colossians 3, 1 to 4, the word of God says, If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hidden, hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall he also appear with him in glory. Again, a very clear call to go after those things that are not here. And what other standards does this life have? This life that is originating from God, 
that is born of God. I want to bring another paradigm that uh, opposes the world's paradigm and a few more like that. So in this world, you will often hear, hey, nobody's perfect. We're all, and I think that's pretty much a fact for this flesh. But God expects something very different. And this is probably, again, uh, and, and you'll see clearly, this is related to who he is. And if we are born of him, then our expectation is similar. Matthew 5, 48, uh, God says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Perfection is not a standard that the world expects. Uh, the world says nobody is perfect. But God says be perfect. He expects perfection because he is perfect. And now is that something that is about your flesh or your um, this whole death uh, that we have as an end to that's seriously not perfect but it, it ascribes a different standard uh, to our life and that is purely because we are born of God. Uh, again, going on to another paradigm, the world will say, you know, eat, drink, be merry. All of this is, yes, they're, they're right. All of this is temporary and, and tomorrow we die. That is true. But that is the whole paradigm of living in this world. The world will say, that is it. There is nothing more. So this is an ultimate failure mindset and succumbs to death. What does God say? God's word says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. A very victorious uh, life, it looks like, what God is calling us for. Again, in uh, 1, Corinthian, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57, um, this is directly the passage that talks about death, death that all of us in this world uh, the day we are born, we are destined to, but God's word, it is, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the Lord. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is, this is exactly opposed to the world's point of view. It says, at the end, it is death. But God says there is more. And we are called to be more than conquerors. And we have been given victory through Jesus Christ over death and over the biggest enemy, you know, all the uh, best things in this world. People ultimately only look forward to death. But for us, we are ultimately overcoming death uh, through him. We've been given the victory. Next thing is, the world will also, on a similar line, the world will say, your best life is here, your best life is now. What does God's word say? Ephesians 2, 5 to 7. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace he has saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might shew the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Here, there are two different uh, times and spaces mentioned. In the present tense, God's word says, 
we are made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that is, even now, you might be sitting here. You might be sitting in your office. You might be lying down in bed to sleep. But at that moment, even now, your spirit and your identity in Christ, you are sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And right in the next sentence, God's word says that in the ages to come, now this is not today, this is not in this current situation, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. So is it exceeding riches today or exceeding riches in the ages to come? It is a different time and a space that God is talking about where he is providing what he has, uh, all his riches in Christ Jesus. So it looks like we're living in two different places. And it reminds me of pilgrims, right? Pilgrims are walking through, and many times when we travel, we encounter processions of pilgrims. They're walking through our streets, but they don't behave like us. They are going to a different place. Their eye and their goal is set on reaching a different destination. And everything they do is tuned to that. Uh, and walking through and eating and sleeping, and they also participate in daily life, but not in the sense that others do. They have a certain focus. They have a certain uh, vision, and that carries them forward. All, all the time towards their destination. They're not deviating their direction. or They're not taking another bus and going somewhere else. The pilgrim has a very clear end in sight at any point. He may not be close, but he's always focused. He may not be uh, enjoying his pilgrimage, but he finds joy in that fact that he's going to reach his destination. He might not have shoes on his feet, but he is very clearly determined to make the long journey. So the pilgrim's life is what it looks like it is for us. And this also gets affirmed in Genesis 47 verse 9, where Pharaoh's meeting Jacob. And Jacob, very interestingly, summarizes his life. And Pharaoh asks him, how old are you? Jacob, clearly an elder to Pharaoh at that point, he says, the days of my, the, the days of the years of my pilgrimage. So he sums up his whole life in literally three words. As days, it has years, yes. But the, the days of the years of my pilgrimage. So we as God's children very clearly are living here, but not living for this world. We are living in our journey towards a destination. And what does it mean? How do we then use our resources, our strengths, our, uh, what God has given? And what has God really given us as a starting point for that life, for the life where we are actually born of God? In Romans 12, 3, there's a very interesting um, segment to the verse. So this is the verse that goes, for I say through grace, 
through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath given, God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. I want you to focus on this uh, statement. It says, according as God hath dealt every man the measure of faith. The word dealt is literally like you, you are dealing out. We use this sense of the word in mostly games and card games today. You, you're dealt a deck. Everybody's given a starter deck or what they have to play with at the start of a game. Um, so God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith, it says. So this literally looks like a starting account that God has given his children. Um, this gets referred to in another place also uh, with Jesus when he is healing people. Um, he talks about their faith in many different places. Um, one example where he touches the eyes, he says, according to your faith, be it unto you. And he heals the eye and makes it whole and see again. So it looks like it almost looks like a transaction. I don't want to say it is a transaction, but it looks like the person who is undergoing the healing or the ministry of Jesus, um, they are using or uh, investing their faith. And in response, God is doing something only God can do, like healing and things like that. So what... What are the examples do we have? And, and I think most of us here might be familiar with Hebrews 11. And in Hebrews 11, you have a whole list of our forefathers of faith or our fathers of faith, as you may call it. They primarily lived by this account. If you think of faith now as your starting account balance or your first bank account, in living according to heaven. If you look at Hebrews 11, it really talks about how they are investing this account and how they are multiplying and how they are growing it. And it really summarizes and explains a lot of these exploits of faith. And another interesting contrast here in this world, people seek real estate they seek uh, investment in property. They want it to be in a, a well-built place or a city with a good builder or a promoter. Um, similar analogies actually appearing in Hebrews 11, if you see from verses 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Very interesting. It is all by faith. And the action he's taking is all the time 
looking for a city which hath foundations, whose maker and builder is God. And if you see, according to some of the parables of Jesus, uh, Abraham found it. Abraham is finally there. So although he went about this life, although he had things in this life that he might compare to people in this world, his business was not about that. His primary business and his goal was really that city which had foundations, his builder and maker's God. Are we investing our faith? That is a question I have for you. And how are we investing our faith? And this determines how we carry the work that we've done in this world. Any other work will not carry. And the people of this world know it very well. Everything gets destroyed here. Everything gets uh, annulled. The account gets closed. But there are certain things that carry. And, and let's see what God has to say about this end. When all of this wraps up, how does God see things? Um, we get a glimpse of this in Matthew 25, verse 21. This is where Jesus is talking about uh, the faithful servant. And it goes, his Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now the account of his life gets summarized in being faithful. God doesn't say successful. God says faithful. Very different paradigm from how the world sees things. Again, in 1 John 5.4, it talks about another summary of our life. For whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. It's tying up the beginning and the end. We talked about being born of God, and at the end, you have overcome the world. That is the goal that God has for us. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So this passage beautifully summarizes the entire scope of our life here. Our goal is to overcome the world. We are born of God and the victory that we have to overcome the world, even our faith. Faith itself is seen as the victory. Faith might seem very small and not very important in this world, but in heaven's account, faith is itself the ultimate value and the highest value for our life here. So start investing your faith today. Um, the warning is your account might close anytime. We always think of this, these moments of financial crisis in this world. Um, demonetization, bank runs, um, housing market collapses. We've seen all of these and more. And they all bring us to a crisis. But the biggest crisis for people of this world is when the account closes here and you've not invested anything and your bank account in heaven is kind of zero. And God then cannot say good and faithful servant. And this is a big warning for us. If we are faithful, 
meaning investing our faith in this life. Then there is a reward. And Jesus also very clearly says, he comes to give a reward for everything that we have done. And in Hebrew 11 verse 16, if we read, it says, but they now they desire a better country that is in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be their God, for he had prepared for them a city. And I want to extend this to finish with where we started about how we measure a man. In Revelation 21 verse 7, God says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So how do we measure a man? We talked about two things. Who are you and what do you have? In Revelation 21.7, our identity and who we are, our status is son of God. It says, he shall be my son. God himself is calling us his son. And what do we have then? It says, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And all things is not a light matter. And I think that's summarizing who we are and what our positions. In Christ, we become the sons of God. That is even today. And one day, our inheritance will be everything that he has. So the son of God and all things. This is the measure of a man. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your word that guides us, comforts us, and gives us clear direction as we walk through this world. We pray that each one of us here, you will Keep us focused to live according to the life that you have called us as sons of God. Being born of God, that one day we will be called good and faithful servant. That you will be pleased with the way we live every day, Lord. Teach us and help us to invest our faith, to grow that faith in your kingdom for your glory that we will one day with joy see you face to face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.